Welcome to this week's edition of Riffraff News. And this week, we're going to be asking, are interest rates finally on the way down? And we're going to take another visit to Ukraine to see what's happening there. So, Sean, this week's been a big week for central bankers all over the world, actually. Mm. So I've been taking a look at what they're saying and what the money markets are suggesting might be happening to interest rates in 2024 and beyond. Um, Mm. I think the first thing, if we stay at home, uh, there's no doubt that money markets are pricing in a fall in UK borrowing costs to around about 4% by the end of 2024. And just a reminder, currently the bank rate or base rate as it used to be called is at 5.25%. So that's a fair old drop actually Mm. in Mm. 12 months. It's, it's doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's what the money men think. Uh, But the bank of England are playing quite a stern game. They're still saying that rates will remain higher for a long time. And when they said that this week, this followed the, get this right, the Monetary Policy Committee, the MPC. The five wise men, is it? Or the 12 wise men? The five wise men or the 12 wise men, isn't it, they call them? I believe it's nine, but yeah, you're you're around, and it's men and women, just to make sure that's clear. But the MPC voted six to three in favour of keeping the rate at 5.25%. So there's three who presumably uh, were keen on either increasing or reducing bank rate. We'll we'll know when the minutes are published. It's the third meeting in succession that rates have not changed. And Governor Andrew Bailey has said to Mr Hunt, he's written him a letter because he has to, Mm -hmm. that rates could indeed rise if he sees more inflationary pressure. So we're not out of the woods yet. And the Bank of England has to say things like this to Mm. discourage uh, individuals and others getting carried away. They call it raising their eyebrow. Um, But, you know, the signs are that things are on the way down. Um, The reason we're not cutting rates at the moment um, is that wage growth remains very high. And, of course, as we've discussed on the pod many times, we have pretty much full employment of those who want to work and are able to work. <laughs> uh, and uh, we still see uh, inflationary pressures on goods and services. I mean, just a little anecdote. Um, I had a sort of anniversary weekend in Bournemouth last week and we went out very for two nice. dinners. Yeah. yeah, it was very nice. I love Bournemouth. Uh, we went out for a couple of dinners on the two nights we were there. And it was incredible how expensive things were mm. and you could actually see in the restaurants and not that I'm watching everyone but most people were having either a main or two courses at the most you know the old three course night out yeah is is I'm not it's saying it doesn't happen but yeah. people are beginning to control what they spend which is I guess what what interest rates yeah. are, are I went uh, about I went out last week with a friend of mine for a couple of meals I was in yeah. uh, I was in in the north up north and, oh, cheaper uh, <laughs> up there. It, uh, well, it was interesting because one of the places we went to was quite a um, an upmarket place, and it's set in a country house and what have you. And the food was very, very nice, I have to say. But uh, there again, we just had the two courses, and that was um, relatively expensive to what one what it would have been a few years ago. On, on another night, however, we went to the local curry house, and that was very very nice and that wasn't too bad in terms of uh, pricing in comparison to what's happened down in this neck of the woods where i think it's gone up quite considerably the uh, the curry either the takeaway or not so yeah that's interesting can i pick you up on what you were talking about in terms of uh, andrew bailey and the bank of england as yeah. well um is that in your humble opinion is there an element here as well of of um, the criticism the Bank of England took for not raising rates quickly enough and, and finding ourselves in this um, position with regard to inflation where it wasn't such a major problem in other parts of the world at the time. And, and also, I'm uh, uh, interested to see that regardless of what the Bank of England says, the markets have decided that rates are coming down over that period of time and have not really taken much notice of what he's had yeah, to say. Yeah, well, 
Uh, it's, it's a funny one where, and I'll come on to the impact on people's mortgages uh, at the end of the dis- this discussion, mm. but you're absolutely right. Um, it, in a way, it doesn't matter what Mr. Bailey says. Mm. If the money markets and lenders decide that now is the time to reduce rates, mm. that's what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I'll, 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 as I say, I'll tell that off at the end. But there's no question that uh, the Bank of England, as indeed the uh, European Central Bank, uh, are still reeling from the criticisms they had. Yeah. And I suppose it's not entirely surprising that they're going to be sending out these tough messages, but they've got to be careful mm. because you don't want to get it wrong at both ends of the cycle. Well, if they keep interest rates too high mm. for too long, that will deter spending and investment and growth. Mm. Well, that, that's the other problem they've got, isn't it? Because in trying to deter, as you would see, a wage inflationary spiral... We may have full employment in this country. We've actually got a labour shortage. So these these companies have got to be in a position to be able to offer wages that are going to attract yep. people into the market. So you don't want to you don't want to cut that off, otherwise your growth will collapse, won't it? Over a- it, it will. Um, but things to listen out for. Next week we will have the October year on year inflation figure. And that's expected to reduce to four point eight. 8% next week mm. and remember September's was 6.7 and if that happens mm. it would be the largest fall for 30 years when compared with the previous month right and, so, and no doubt Rishi will claim credit for that in terms of his being in control of well he's got to have at least one of the five hasn't he <laughs> don't you think Nothing else is happening. Yeah, but let's let's steer clear of Ricky's five priorities. Otherwise, that'll take us down a blind alley. It's worth remembering. No, no, go on. I would mention something else here, and it's a byproduct of this, because you'll remember a little less than a month ago, uh, Mr. Hunt was talking about getting people who are claiming sickness benefit and are registered disabled back into the labour market. Yeah, um, they've taken the opportunity this week to scrap the position of of disabilities minister altogether and roll it into another role. So the guy who was doing it, um, who is now one of one of three ministerial positions who are dealing with immigration, um, has has moved across and he's left that 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 role has gone completely, been rolled into. So there's contradictory uh, messages there in terms of getting people back to work anyway that's a side issue that we could go on with that so sorry I, I stopped you in your flow no not at all everything's everything's related and everything connects so no no problem at all um so as i mentioned we we expect next week's inflation to go below five percent worth remembering that a year ago it was running at 11.1 percent which was the highest for 40 years um what does the Office of National Statistics think, the ONS? Uh, they think that inflation in the UK will fall steadily in the next couple of years, reaching its two, it, the Bank of England's 2% target at some point in 2025. Now, we know that forecasts are always wrong, so it won't happen like this, and there could be shocks, whoever, who knows, but... You know that's where the the stats guys think we're we're going. I've already spoken about the danger of leaving interest rates high for too long, and let's just hope that Bailey and his friends on the MPC don't fall into that trap. Um, interestingly, then, because I took a look at the European Central Bank, the ECB, they are playing a very similar game. Their bank rate is four percent. Remember, ours is five point two five. And they also, this week, kept it at that level. Uh, the ECB president, lady called Christine Lagarde, you may have seen mm. pictures IMF of her. IMF used to be, didn't she? Used to be in yeah, she did. the IMF. Yeah, yeah, she did. That's right. Mm. She said there was no discussion, yeah, mm. no discussion about cuts, as they don't want to lower their guard, unquote, which mm. is quite an interesting thing to say. I think also raising her eyebrow by the sounds of things. Uh, In the Eurozone, inflation is also driven by high wage costs across the 20 euro using countries. So that's that's the same as here. Um, And but nevertheless, markets are once again pricing in the first rate cut in the spring of next year. Some analysts are suggesting 
March for Europe, which mm. would be quite early. Uh, and just to throw some more stats out, but we need to in these sorts of discussions, the ECP expects inflation to average at 5.4% 5, 5. this year, so slightly higher than the UK, mm. 2.7 in 2024, 2.1 in 2025, and 1.9% in 2026. So sounds like they're thinking they're going to crawl down to their targets at a slightly different pace. But, you know, forecast, who knows, going to be right. Mm. And then finally, I took a look at um, the US um, Federal Reserve uh, because this week they too kept rates unchanged. They have a, a span of rates, 525 to 5.5%, 5 .5%, so pretty much the same as us. Uh, but once again, markets are predicting that they will start cutting in March next year. Uh, Jerome Powell, who's the chair of the US Fed, normally referred to as Chair Powell, he hinted that rates have peaked. Um, and that's the first time he's been so bold. So he's being a bit more bullish than Lagarde and Bailey. Mm. He's actually saying that rates have peaked. Uh, US inflation is markedly different to Europe. It stands at 3.14%. Yeah. That's at November. Mm. Uh, and is this when I read this stat, it knocked me off my chair. He's, it's actually lower than the long-term average of inflation since record began at 3.28%. So I'm not saying they've, they've sorted it, but it's really good news. In the US, their peak was 9%, ours was 11 and that's so, that's all. Um, uh, that's all with this money being pumped into the economy for the Inflation Reduction yeah, Act as well. Yeah, that was one of the yeah. arguments that the critics of that were saying that this is going to be inflationary, it's inflationary. and yet yeah. that doesn't appear to have been the case, does it? It's interesting. Isn't it? No, it's. I, I don't know how. That, it's a good point. I don't know how because if 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 purchases are cheaper because of the Inflation Reduction Act. Because, like, you get a discount on an electric car. I don't know whether they net that off the cost and so mm. that. Anyway, I don't know the intricacies. But no. it doesn't appear to have been inflationary at all. No. Um, so quite quite the opposite, actually. So what... So, the, sorry, go on. Yeah. On, on the ground, I'm going to ask on you On the question. ground. On the ground to, to the man and woman in the street, to somebody yep. popping into the local supermarket and somebody... Yeah. What... All these figures, what effect is it going to have on their daily living standard? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I was going to round this segment off by, by sort of why does all this matter? Mm. Okay. Now, we've already said that whether it's dining out, going to the shops, just going about your business. We've all seen price increases, so I have nothing to inform anyone there. But, but, but what is it interesting? And this is what I think really matters to households. And I'm afraid I'm going to be slightly biased and say owner mortgaged households mm. um, is up to 5 million mortgage holders will come off cheap fixed deals in the next two years and we've discussed this on the pod before this is why it's taking so long to get inflation down because these interest rate rises aren't like they used to be they're not instant mm. they'll take five years to wind down and then five years to wind up when rates start uh, mm. reducing but anyway some of the people, I'm going to take an average, some of these 5 million mortgage holders would have borrowed at rates as low as 2%. I know that because two of my sons have done that. Yeah. Uh, so these things matter. As a comparison, today, the average, right now, uh, from Money Facts, this is, the average two-year fix is close to 6%, Correct. and a five-year fix is close to 5.6%. So you're talking more than double, in fact, treble mm. the interest rate. So, and this is really to answer your question, the average annual increase, when you take all this into account, this is an average, is £2,900 or 240 quid a month. So that's game changing for a lot mm. of borrowers. Mm. But what's interesting is, whilst there are signs of stress in the mortgage market, to the Bank of England's credit and following the credit, the financial crisis, because when mortgages are assessed, the criteria and the calculations have more stress tests in, actually many, much fewer people, many fewer people are getting into arrears right. or being repossessed. So that's, oh, that's good news. But yeah, nevertheless, absolutely. these sorts of um, increases will affect lifestyle yeah. Uh, so as a result, 
any fall in mortgage rates will be welcome, of course, if if they're lucky enough to catch that fall. Mm. Um, and obviously, businesses would welcome um, these these reductions as well because well, it should, affects the cost of borrowing. I should imagine it'd be beneficial to a lot of them to pay to get out of their existing fixed deals and go into a new deal over a period of time, wouldn't it? There's penalties to pay, I appreciate. But Possibly... You know, as the cycle flips, mm. yes. Yeah. Obviously not right now. Not you right wouldn't now. come out of a no, 2% absolutely. deal. No. But just rounding things off, uh, and this is good news for um, mortgage borrowers. So in the meantime, and I know this from con- conversations I've had uh, with some professionals this week, there is some evidence in the market that lenders are fighting for mortgage market share. Mm and are already reducing rates, and this goes back to what we said at the top, doesn't matter what Mr. Bailey says, the market, and some five-year fixes are moving towards, they're not there yet, but moving towards, say, 4.5%, so that's good news. Uh, And why are they doing this? Well, those lenders who are looking to expand their mortgage book are finding it difficult because borrowers are typically not switching providers at the moment because mm. of this sort of pricing crisis so therefore the lenders if they they've got targets and objectives are beginning to discount uh the fixed rates to attract business yeah uh, so um obviously uh good for borrowers maybe yeah. not yeah. so great for some of the banks and building societies but but that's that's where we are so i, I know you're uh, about to tail off but if tail i just off, interject yeah. and and, well, not and, personally, and, but only the, <laughs> the subject. And make one other observation, which yes. I think, and, and I'm only doing this anecdotally, I'm not sure that you'll have the figures at the other end with regard to this, but mm. the figures that we're looking at at the moment in terms of mortgage interest rates, over a period of, say, 30 years, yep. they would be nothing unusual. In fact, they might no. be a little bit on the low side in, in no. as a, 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 a average mortgage rates over that period of time. We've had um, exceptionally low mortgage rates, haven't we, over the last... Since the, the crash, since the 2008 crash, the mortgage rates have been low to try and... Um, well, money's been cheap to borrow on the markets, isn't it, internationally? So it's interesting, really, that we now consider 5 6% to be high a high rate, which, historically, not really. Uh, absolutely. Um, and that's what uh, I think what what's different in the mortgage market is because the cost of buying the asset has increased so much seven eight times mm. what it used to be you know, like for like the level of borrowing of each individual is so much higher mm. That, mm. that therefore the impact of five percent is greater but but just a little anecdote I can remember when when we first started our careers that as part of the benefits package, you used to get a staff mortgage at 5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was considered fantastic. <laughs> yes. Do you remember? Really cheap, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then cheap obviously mortgage. HMRC got involved and whacked you for benefit in kind, which is fair enough. But, mm. but um, yeah, you're right. Um, 5% historically is, historically is not high, but certainly since 2008, mm. Mm. is extremely high and the trouble is so many borrowers five million we've talked about yeah have geared their lives around a much lower rate yeah uh, but, so you know net net it's good news uh, we should see you know god willing a reduction in market rates uh, over 2024 and 25 well there's been a lot going on in the world over the last few weeks, but I thought we'd just take another look at what's been happening with regard to Ukraine. Mm. I know, um, obviously, the the world's attention has been focused on Gaza and Israel to a certain extent, and still is, but um, lots of things have been happening in respect of Ukraine, especially in the last week where um, Zelensky has effectively been on tour around... Some yeah, of the he has, it? like a beauty parade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> first uh, uh, report was of his popping up at this uh, the new Argentinian president's inauguration who's a fellow called Javier Millet I don't know whether you've heard of him have you? I've seen a 
I know you shouldn't talk about people's looks, but I've seen a picture of him and he looks absolutely mad. Well, <laughs> he's been compared to Wolverine. You know Wolverine? From- <laughs> I see. <laughs> so I'm not alone then. And, they're, they're, and those are his friends, apparently, that have compared, <laughs> compared him to Wolverine. And, and economically and in terms of policy, he's a bit of a... Um, an, I don't think he'd um, be offended if I was a bit of an oddball, a bit of an outlier... Um, right. Nobody really was expecting him to win the election in in Argentina, and he has. Uh, and uh, he's been he's a, he's a right winger, sits right over the populist. Um, he's he's talking about linking the Argentinian peso to the dollar, so effectively having a dollar currency, which all the economists seem to think. That, well, the IMF have welcomed it, but a, a lot of economists seem to think that it's going to be make life very very tough for those who uh, who've got little money in Argentina but that that's an aside been welcomed by Trump and Bolsonaro you know the guy that was um, before Lulu took over um, although <laughs> she's not, not still singing shout she's moved on now to... <laughs> she's, she's now president of Brazil but and uh, done well. until Lulu took over, um, Bolsonaro was the guy in charge there, and they they've all got similar views on the world. They're quite populist. They're quite right wing, um, and uh, this guy's got a propensity for outrageous statements. He's um, he's been swearing in television studios, and um, one of his quotes was he he was going to take a chainsaw to the mechanisms of state. So it'd be interesting to see now he's actually in power. Um, what, what, what he does over the next coming, but anyway, this wasn't about Argentina. The the interesting point was, I think that that Zelensky should pop up here because most of the world's major Western nations didn't send heads of state to attend this. They sent um, foreign secretaries and the likes to go mm-hmm. along. You know, the Americans, Biden didn't go, for example, and and they st- they were steering well clear. Um, but there he pops up, Zelensky, and I was wondering at the time what was going on. But it did pan out that um, one of the other attendees was a head of state, the Hungarian leader Viktor Orbán. You know Viktor Orbán, who's yeah, yeah. The, yeah, who's the guy who's been um, uh, avidly against continuing to fund Ukrainian war efforts against the Russians. In fact. Some people in Europe have gone as far as to call Orban the mouthpiece of Vladimir Putin um, mm. because he's been blocking things in, in the European Parliament. But we'll roll on. There was a bilateral, apparently, between Viktor Orban uh, and Zelensky at, at this particular inauguration, but we didn't get any reports of what was discussed, although you can almost guess what was discussed. Following on from that, he said a busy week, as I said, he flew to Washington because there's there's huge problems with regard to the continuation of funding for the Ukrainian efforts through Washington. It's all held up in Congress. A Republican-dominated Congress has put the brakes on it and is refusing to vote it through unless more money is dedicated to the Mexico-US border. You know, this mm. is one of the big Trump issues, the Mexico... Do you remember the wall? Yeah, the, and it, yeah. It, it's a huge wall, isn't it? It is a yeah. huge border, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's it is. Like, yeah. It's almost like the Great Wall of China. Great Wall of China. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're they're all sort of plying their their wares to try and make sure that their constituents are ready for the presidential election, which is coming up in November, and we'll discuss a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but they're all plying their way as these Republican uh, congressmen and they're holding this whole thing up. So at the moment mm. it's okay because there's money on stream. It's all it's all backdated. But come the end of January, so I understand, had they not agreed this package, then uh, the Ukrainians will be finding it hard to try and fund their war effort, which is something that Vladimir Putin's been talking about, which we'll, we'll again, we'll we'll sort of come on to in a minute because we'll have a, a bit more of a, a, a chat about him. So he went in to try and schmooze the uh, Republican senators and the Republican congressmen, and I, and I don't think it worked, really. There was, there was a lot of hoo-ha, and a lot of them were, were quite rude about Zelensky. 
um, when they were leaving Capitol Hill and they recorded, you know, it was recorded on television interviews. Some of them don't even believe in the uh, the idea of continuing to fund Ukraine at all, which is the position that Trump obviously is in. And so where we're going to get with that, I don't know whether we're going to find that Biden compromises and puts more money into uh, into the border security issue or not. We'll be telling for whether the money is available for Ukraine. I don't know whether there's a way around because you, you get presidential decrees, don't you? Where where Biden executive orders exactly things like that. that's that's yeah. that's that's the phraseology. Yeah, um, I don't think I, I don't think that extends to you know budgetary to the, issues. To budgetary, no, yeah, no. But but if I mean let's whatever if 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 the states pull the plug, then it's good night, Charlie, isn't it? Well, it Ukraine is war effort yeah, because well, they they're yeah. mammoth in terms of their overall contribution. Mm, they have been in terms of money yeah. and armaments interestingly enough europe are, are now the biggest contributor they're putting in more money than than the states are so okay what, it, what, what do you know by how much i, I didn't we're know we're not that. talking huge amounts but there's a the, the balance has changed slightly um we'll come as i say i've, I've got some figures here for the like the, the figure that we're talking about here that the uh that the americans won't the, the, the congress won't pass is 110 billion dollars so that that's all being all being held up. Um, so that from there he f he flew back to Europe, albeit that he didn't actually go to Brussels. Um, there was voting taking place in the European Council on accession talks for Ukraine into the European Union. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which everybody was predicting Viktor Orban would block that that yeah. he'd. Um, that he'd um, which uh, surprisingly he didn't. He absented himself from voting, and so that went through. So the, the they have put them on a accession talks and a fast track along with um, uh, al along with uh, Kosovo as well. I believe is one of the other nations that are in uh, in in that um, that packet. So that was quite interesting. However, this morning. He voted against the European Union's latest package intended for Ukraine of 50 billion euros. So um, what you sort of gain on the swings, you lose on the roundabouts. So mm. they could be facing a huge financial deficit in terms of their war effort unless these two things are sorted out. Now, I'm told that the European Union uh, can act the 26 effectively because he's... There's 27 nations. The 26 who voted in favour can act effectively outside the confines of individually. Of, yeah, yeah. So they can they can come together and sign an agreement and 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 do it themselves. So that is that one of those sort of reserved matters then? So yeah, yeah. Matters of national security. Yes. Well, it's not under the. It won't be under the auspices of um, of the European Union. Effectively. No, no. No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. So um, that will be interesting, and I think that that's probably what will happen in that regard. Um, so Orban was quite interesting. He, he went on Hungarian radio this morning, um, and what he was saying is, uh, to quote him, they are 26 and I'm alone. They want to give Ukraine, through this decision, the encouragement needed to continue the war and they asked that I don't obstruct them in this. But their decisive argument was that Hungary doesn't lose anything with this. If we don't want Ukraine to be a member of the European Union, then the Hungarian Parliament votes it down. And until the issue gets to the Parliament, it's a very, very long process. And as they counted, and I did, there are about 75 occasions when the Hungarian government can stop this process. And they said that if during the negotiations there is something which hurts Hungary's interest, I stop it. So effectively, he's, he's you know he's going to be problematic all the way through in terms of uh, any effort to get Ukraine into the European Union. Um, meanwhile, um, do you remember uh, Peskov, the the Russian spokesman who holds all these press conferences in behalf of the Kremlin? He's been um, 
pontificating on it uh, this morning and uh, he says that he doesn't think there's any chance of either uh, Ukraine or Moldova being made members of the European Union anytime soon. He thinks it's all a bit of a pipe dream. So that's quite interesting in, in terms of the diplomacy that's going on in the background. Um, in, in, in addition to that, did you catch any of Vladimir Putin's TV extravaganza? I, I read a tiny bit, heard a bit on the radio and saw a lot on the news last yeah. night. All I can remember is some old lady asking about the promise of eggs. <laughs> and somebody, the first question uh, was not a question. It was somebody telling him how wonderful he was. Mm. Well, um, you, yeah. Well, you remember you remember back in the 70s, we used to have sort of thing. You'd switch on ITV on Christmas Eve and it'd be the night of a thousand stars. Yes. Well, this is this is their version of it, but there's only one star and he sits at the front and takes questions from all and yeah. sundry and, and, and pontificates on world events and tells everybody what's going to happen over the next few years and, and there's some there's some sort of um, facade that there's, there's even the, the lowest as you quite rightly say even the lowest peasant can get on and, and talk to the top man about the price of eggs which which she did most um, you know very well um, and, and she put a point across but obviously Ukraine was the big the big issue here and um it, 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 putin said that the uh the aims of the special operation which they've gone back to calling it because they they moved over a period didn't they they were calling it a war but now they've gone back to calling it a special operation the aims of the special operation haven't changed and they remain the denazification of ukraine uh the demilitarization and it, it it becoming of neutral status so uh, not being a member of NATO I guess and, and ideally in his view not being a member of the European Union but it's quite which interesting which it isn't sorry <laughs> which it isn't which it isn't and never was no. and wasn't <laughs> no and, and it does seem that they've that, that what's happened over the last few months has bolstered his his standing mm. in terms of where he emboldened him in, in his um decision making so he thinks he's in control now the the fact that the the much vaunted counter offensive doesn't really appear to have done a lot it's, it's no sadly of, and and obviously this time last year wasn't it he had Brigosian sniffing around he did yeah 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 he's um he had, had an unfortunate aircraft incident didn't he apparently? he did yeah yeah he, yeah. he sort of yeah there was, a, there was a, a un, un, unexplained a grenade or something was it? They've been playing with grenades on the plane. Is that apparently. right? Is that I didn't know? Oh, I didn't hear that. That's the outcome. Was it, it? It, it, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but last year he cancelled this gig, didn't he? He did because he wasn't so confident. But no, uh, no. yeah. Well, he actually spoke about um, not cancelling the gig last year, but he actually spoke in this about uh, the fact that he says he doesn't have body doubles. Because somebody asked that question, do you have do you have body doubles? Because did you watch it all? I no, <laughs> four hours worth. No, I'm I afraid. Know. I'm afraid I, I you know I, half an hour of prime minister's questions is enough for me. Not four hours of an autocratic dictator, um, talking to um, Russian peasants about eggs. Did, did he give? Because he did he give any um, any indication of the end game of Ukraine, or did he basically say it'll be as long as it takes? Uh, I, as long as it takes, there was no right. there was no question of um, of uh, one of the um, one of the commentators was saying he's gone back to saying there can be peace in Ukraine, but um, only if they uh, only if they surrender basically if they if they um, uh, fall into line with all that terms. You remember a few months back he was talking a bit more. Uh, there were a bit more malleable terms in 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 respect of freezing the the line where it was and and Ukraine having to accept uh, the, the de facto position on the ground in terms of their mm. annexing the three different areas that, that uh, but now apparently we've gone back to the whole shooting match um, if you'll excuse the expression 
in terms of wanting uh, you know want, wanting Ukraine neutered in, in any respect and he's he's also um, taken the decision to invest a huge amount in defence hasn't he mm. in terms of his um, uh, budget his, his equivalent of our budget yeah it is uh, yeah. an incredible amount uh, to the detriment of other public services. I think it's about a third of their GDP, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. colossal. Yeah, yeah. And and you you have it's not new money. He's no. taken it because obviously, well, no, not obviously, but the falling price of oil will be hurting him mm. because it's me- measured in by Brent crude, isn't it? Brent crude is down significantly. You probably noticed that at yeah. the pumps. Yeah. And that will be impacting him. So this this is this is no no small move no. And, and, and not surprising I guess no he did make now the he's point. got a new yeah. supplier well absolutely he did make the point that um, uh, in contrast to Ukraine however that they build and can supply and can fund their own weaponry whereas Ukraine are totally dependent upon. Western funding for all of this, you know, yeah. their economy is a basket case, really. So um, they have to have. I mean, this is why Zelensky is travelling all around the world trying to schmooze people, isn't it? That he wants the, them to continue. But the the it's a question of keeping interest, isn't it? Keeping people in the game, and and slowly but surely, you do feel as though interest in what, what's happening on 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 that particular front is is waning. Um, and uh, we'll go on because I, I've uh, one of my questions really, and I thought we might discuss this is is effectively where we are now is that the the front line isn't moving, albeit that the Russians and, and Putin have said that they've made minor gains in the south of the country. Um, as as to what happens next. Um, do you think they'll pass this bill in the States? Do you think that will happen? What's your view on that? It's a good question. I, I, I think Biden is so invested, mm. having already supported Ukraine significantly, uh, that I don't think he'll want to walk away. No. And it won't look great in terms of history. Uh, so I think he'll find a way mm. of uh, pacifying uh, the Republicans yeah. and getting it through. I guess the real question is what will happen if mm. Trump wins yeah. 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 the election. Yes, I, I mean, and I've got a piece which I'll talk to you about in a minute in terms of the contenders for the um, election and what their positions are with regard to that. Um, the the US funding. I mean, I tend to agree with you. I think they they he will find a way to get that yeah, to I get think that so. through Congress. Albeit that it might take um, significant compromise on that front. We discuss EU funding, and I think they will find a way around the Hungarian um, blocking mechanism. Although you have to wonder, and I don't know whether there's any mechanism for doing this. After a period of time, if you've got one particularly recalcitrant country within the 27 as it is who keeps blocking these things and you haven't got majority voting i wonder where you when you get to a position where you can say look you're not really adhering to the the wishes of the majority the i mean it ultimately is almost the total majority barring one country when you get to a position where you can say no that's enough you're out you know be interesting to see whether there anything materialises on that over the next on the next week. Oh, and and I've also asked what what's happening on the battlefield. I think we've reached a stalemate, haven't we? I think the only thing I could see happening, unfortunately, at the moment is a is is maybe a a Russian breakthrough in the south to a degree because he seems to be piling more men in. One of the other things he said during this um, television extravaganza, he was asked whether there'd be more conscription. And he said no, that they had sufficient men. They're putting another 300,000 or something in over the next few months. They had sufficient men from volunteers um, not to have to introduce any more subscription, conscription, sorry, 
subscription. I don't know where that came from. Conscription to um, mm. to get people to go and fight in the front. The money that they're paying, and you, you were saying, I guess this is where the, the 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 budget comes from, is is huge in comparison to the average Russian salary. Uh, it's three or four times the average Russian salary in terms of getting people to go and fight on the front. Mon- money talks, doesn't it? Even risking your life, money talks. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I was looking at what would happen because we've got these presidential elections coming up in November and obviously the new president wouldn't take um, office until January 2025. Yeah. Um, should Biden win... And of course, we've got congressional elections on the same night as the presidential election. I think it's about half of Congress at that point is up for re-election. Assuming Biden won, and if Congress stayed virtually the same or even had a Democrat majority, then things would stay the same. In fact, they might even accelerate in terms of support for Ukraine. Trump, on the other hand, as we've discussed on a number of occasions, made it pitifully plain um, that he's not going to fund any more or doesn't want to fund any more Ukrainian support and that he'll have a word with Vladimir Putin who will have all this sorted out in 24 hours. He has mentioned that. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm guessing that that... I think we've, we've come to the conclusion that, that amounts to a, a surrender to... Putin's terms, doesn't it, really, in terms of what, what he would feel. Um, so that that would be interesting. There's a there's a, a couple of other candidates for the Republican nomination. I don't know whether you've heard of the, the lady who used to rent, uh, represent the Trump administration at the United Nations, a lady called Nikki Haley. Um, mm. I don't know whether you've seen her. She's quite interesting in that um, she's obviously got a background in geostrategic relations, and and she's not like the bulk of the, uh, the or appear to be the bulk of the Republican Party in that she's in favour of continuing to fund Ukraine. In fact, she she was at a, uh, one of these town hall meetings that they have in the states during the summer, and uh, and she said this uh, this is bigger than Ukraine. This is a war about freedom, and it's one we have to win. So mm. and it should matter to all Americans. So that's quite interesting. She's coming up on the ropes. You know, remember the other person, the other main contender for the Republican nomination was um, Ron DeSantos, you know, the <laughs> sanctimonious. As, as Trump yeah, but his, his star has faded, hasn't it? It he, has, yeah. He, um, he, 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 he sort of become a little bit wooden yeah, and one-dimensional, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. He has. He looked the part, sort of... You know, handsome chap with a very pleasant-looking wife and family. Yeah, yeah. He very... looked the part, but he's he's just faded, hasn't he? He has. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? They've done a few of these um, uh, the, these candidate um, as TV many things. as Rishi and Liz. <laughs> Rishi, yes, Rishi, yes. Yeah, they're, 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 we won't talk about that. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it um, just reminded me of those dreadful things. Yeah. yeah, but Trump's refused to take part in those, hasn't he? I guess his advisers yeah. have said, "Yeah, know, this is only going to trip you up, so there's no you're way ahead in the polls. So yeah. what's the point in lowering yourself to taking part in debates?" So they even uh, put an orange on the stand, did they? <laughs> just, do you remember somebody put a block of ice instead of Boris or something? Yeah, yeah, that? I remember that, and I remember. Um, yeah. Was it Roy Hattersley where they had a tub of lard? Tub, oh, and have I got have news, I got news for, for you? you. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. the lettuce. All Liz Truss and the lettuce. But <laughs> Sorry, we're back to Liz Truss again. Carry, <laughs> carry on. So it'd be quite interesting to see as we roll on whether uh, one of the commentators I was reading yesterday was suggesting that they think that Nikki Haley will become the sensible voice of Republicans and will creep up on the rails as, as these... Um, court cases that Trump's involved in get become more and more prominent over the next few months. So that'll be interesting to see. When the next month, keep your eyes out for this. Is something to, you might be able to watch CNN overnight. Um, next month is the um, it's the first state to vote on the primary nominations. And, and forgive me, I can't remember. But, uh, I think it might be Idaho, um, somewhere like that. Idaho is the home of the potato, isn't it? I believe. You know they. <laughs> 
they put these things on their on their number plates, the Americans, don't they? I think. <laughs> I know. I know. All the things you might claim were yeah. the home of the potato. I think. <laughs> I think there's a few Irish counties who might dispute that. Well, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Apologies to any Idahoans who are listening if... Yeah, <laughs> if you're yeah. not actually the home of the potato. So, um, and and the other thing that I thought was quite interesting with regard to this is um, Zelensky appears to have had a bit of a falling out with Vitaly Klitschko. You know the mayor. Oh yes, yeah. he called him a dictator, didn't he? Mm, he said they're Which heading is kind towards, of ironic. Yeah, we're heading towards um, the autocracy of Russia. In terms yes. So, um, yeah, I, I. I I don't know what the background to this is, if I'm honest. Um, I know uh, Zelensky appears to have sacked a lot of people over the last three or four months, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, I think his defence minister was summarily given the boot. So, you know, to, to tie all this up, um, I'm going to ask you the, the big question. Oh, God. Yeah, the big, big question. Where, where do you think, if you had to put a couple of thousand on it now where do you think this is all going i think i think you're right i think there will be um some sort of russian breakthrough uh probably from the south simply because um they just have the resources and that you know they've been there long enough they're well prepared they have more experience now and obviously the backing both financially and physically from their head of state. Um, I think where this will go is some sort of negotiated settlement in the end. Mm. And if I was a betting man, I think it'll be around the annexed states, mm. the four of them, isn't it, that, that he annexed yeah. and said they will be part of Russia forever. So that's what I would say may happen. And that process would only be accelerated if Trump was to uh, come to power, because Trump, I do believe that he has some sort of relationship with Putin, mm. um, fair means or foul, but I do believe he has. And I think that's basically what would happen. So you think effectively the the the... the, the position on the ground at the moment would be form would be formalized and uh, uh and and putin would take control of those the donbass and and Crimea yeah. effectively and that 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 would be my working assumption the the only thing that would change and and you know you'd have to we'd have to call in some military experts would be that if uh, an advance by russia was so overwhelming that they could effectively take Ukraine, mm. um, but you have to assume that there are enough defences, enough ar uh, armaments, collateral mm. now in Ukraine, and obviously experience and knowledge and desire that 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 wouldn't happen. I was listening to a military expert yesterday who was talking about um, he he was of the opinion that Ukraine could still triumph in this uh, in in this. Uh, war. Ah, that's interesting. But he was he was saying the problem has been that um, we're we're in terms of funding and in terms of military support that we're giving them, we're giving them dribs and drabs that allow them to defend relatively successful successfully, but we're not giving them what we should be giving them now to allow them to really go on to the offensive. Um, and there's, there's been other pieces, hasn't there, over the last few months about the problems in terms of production of this this um, uh, yeah. military we uh, weaponry in the West because we're not geared up for it. We've gone to a peacetime economy, whereas um, the Russians seem to be quite geared up to turning... They're almost on a wartime footing, aren't they? In terms yeah, of if you think about the last big war we were involved in, we, we had to repurpose mm. industry didn't we yeah yeah uh, and well we're not doing that and the, uh i think the outgoing defense secretary wallace said that one of the issues is our own stores of said weaponry mm. are now non-existent or extremely low 
So you've got that balance as well, haven't you? You, you know, if your first responsibility is to um, defend your country, yeah, then you, there's only so much physically you can give. So you've got that as well. Yeah. Um, so it's it's complicated, but on the basis of we've said in this pub many times that that in the end all conflicts are resolved by negotiation. Mm. Um, I think that could happen. Yeah. It would be very um, tempting, wouldn't it, for Putin if Trump does suddenly come over the hill and, and he says, right, here's the deal. Um, mm. and, and then, by the way, if you start this again, we're back in. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, the irony is, isn't it, that in terms of, um, in, in terms of negotiations, uh, Trump is meant to be quite, quite a good negotiator although he didn't do terribly well when he went to see um, Kim Jong-un did he and uh, that seemed to fall apart but um, I think he you're quite right I think he and Putin have got some sort of understanding um, but it'd be interesting to see what um, what comes of it I think uh, it, it's a pretty um, pretty salutary lesson in thinking that that peace can be assured isn't it i think we in the west especially we've we put our guard down and we've turned all our military over to peaceful purposes we turn the, the as they say the swords into plowshares and uh, <laughs> and we've been caught napping really which is what happened i guess in the second world war wasn't it when when yeah it no better illustrated it's not it's not just weaponry is it it's, it's no. also energy security with um, Nord Stream One and Two, mm. isn't it? And how yeah. how naive uh, we had been. So uh, until our, our Christmas edition next week, guy, have a have a good week. Yeah, you too, and look forward to as you say our Christmas edition. Ho ho ho! <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed.